Welcome to the Swine Health Black Belt Podcast, the latest swine health research digested for you. Swine Health Black Belt Podcast is only possible with the support and trust of innovative companies like SCA Ventilation and Management Solutions, made for farmers by farmers since 1966. Beringer Ingelheim, through innovative solutions, cutting-edge research, and world-class experts, Beringer Ingelheim helps producers operate with complete confidence. Learn more at swineresource.com. My name is Dr. Clayton Johnson, and I'm your host for today's episode. Joining me is Dr. Jay Johnson with USDA ARS. Welcome, Jay. Great to have you on the podcast. Great. It's great to be here. Well, Jay, we uh, got to chat a little bit here before the, the podcast. Uh, welcome to the beautiful podcast studios of Swine It. Um, why don't you start with a little introduction for the audience about yourself? Sure. Um, so as you mentioned, I work for the USDA ARS. Uh, we're located here in West Lafayette, Indiana, on the Purdue University campus. I'm a research animal scientist uh, with our unit, uh, focused mostly on um, stressors in pigs with a general focus on early life stress as well as heat stress and how it impacts um, performance, health, and welfare. Very good. Well, heat stress is certainly a timely topic. We've been in the middle of a brutal heat wave uh, here in the Midwest um, for what seems like all summer. Uh, But, you know, that's the reality, right? We we raise pigs sometimes in, in hot conditions. Talk to us a little bit, Jay, about your research. What are you What are you studying with heat stress in pigs? And you know, are you finding anything that we can do to help improve poor performance in these challenging weather conditions? So over the last, I don't know, probably ten years, um, our group has been really focused on um, heat stress, both during postnatal life, so when the uh, mostly focused on sows, um, but as as well as how it impacts their offspring later in life when the offspring are exposed to heat stress during in utero, in utero development. Uh, what we find is that in utero heat stress results in decreased performance, um, reduced immune function in these pigs. Uh, we see greater stress susceptibility and poor welfare in these animals. And we even see things like reduced reproductive efficiency. And so a lot of our research recently has been looking at how can we improve heat stress resilience in these gestating sows so we can prevent some of these in utero heat stress phenotypes or these negative postnatal effects from happening to the animals. Um, And so really we take kind of a a three-pronged approach when we look at this. Uh, The first being how can we improve our our management of these animals and management of the environmental conditions that they're raised under? The second being are there any nutritional approaches that we can use to really improve some of this resilience in these sows? And the third area that we've been more recently interested in is genetic selection. And so can we develop things like thermotolerance heritability estimates to integrate into larger selection indices? So, um, Jay, let's start with the the practical things that we can do, right? Um, Cooling technologies are available. Depending on when your barn was built, those technologies may be as basic as stir fans and, you know, curtains that drop down to let the natural air come through. Um, If you've got maybe a newer facility, maybe you use tunnel ventilation. Maybe you've got misters, but, you know, it was kind of always explained to me that you've got air movements and you've got water as a means to cool the pigs. Is that still kind of the current state of thought? It, it is. Um, and those are the most common things that you'll see. Um, you know, of course, in the Midwest, you know, where a lot of our pigs are raised, um, we have a pretty high humidity, especially in the summer. And I'm, I'm sure folks are dealing with that right now. Um, unfortunately, that makes these, these mister systems sometimes a little less effective. 
um, just because of that high humidity in the air. Um, there are some newer technologies coming out. Um, I know that you know our group has been working with some researchers at Purdue University on cooling pads for lactating sows, which we found are, are pretty effective. Um, one of the things, though, that we think about, though, when we think about managing cooling systems is what are the appropriate temperatures to really start that cooling at? Um, some of our current information, at least from the scientific standpoint, is, is based on literature from almost 50 years ago. And we know that that modern sows, you know, with advanced genetics are more productive. And this means that they're likely and they are more heat sensitive. And so our group's been really focused on trying to redefine some of those thermal thresholds, especially in our open our and gestating sows. Um, we find that our, our gestating sows, they become heat stressed at a, temperatures as low as 75 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, and so we really need to think about when are we implementing these cooling strategies that we do have, whether it be fans or misters, or even more advanced technologies like these newer developed cooling pads. Let's talk about the genomic selection piece. Um, I guess level set us on the current state. Are there any genetic programs you're aware of that have this thermal tolerance built into it today? Do they have a specific, uh, you know, um, way to track thermal tolerance within populations, or is this starting from scratch? So, so there are some out there, and a lot of them have really focused on the use of weather station data and using that against things like carcass characteristics or growth rate or really basic things that we can that we can characterize in a production level. Um, our group, though, has been really interested in, in direct indicators of heat stress tolerance in swine populations. Um, we've recently conducted some studies in, in collaboration with some large commercial producers where we have been actually looking at um, body temperature indices and in, in thousands of sows that we've been able to phenotype and genotype. And we have found that body temperature is, is actually moderately to highly heritable in these sows. Um, we've also found some interesting correlations with things like anatomical characteristics, like ear size or hair density, um, that are actually genetically correlated with body temperature response. And with some of this information in collaboration with our, our associates uh, here at Purdue University, Dr. Luis Brito, as well as at NC State, Dr. Christian Malteca and Francesco Tiezzi, um, we've been able to actually um, differentiate two different populations, um, animals that are considered more heat tolerant and those that are more heat sensitive. And so with this information, we're, we're conducting some really intensive trials right now in, in the hopes to really developing these thermal tolerance heritability estimates so that we could implement these into a much larger selection index. And so if we have animals that we're raising under hotter conditions, we could actually implement this as a tool for our genetic selection. Well, I'm sure there's uh, some uh, geneticists out there that would say, you know, whether directly or indirectly, we have selected for thermal tolerance for generations. And they would highlight that, you know, we select for things like wean to service interval. We select for things like total born, which we know are correlated to lactation feed intake, right? So those animals that are predisposed to handle the heat better, they're going to have a better phenotype. Right. And, and by definition, with just good old fashioned phenotypic selection, you'll select for some of those things. But I know a lot of the advances in genetics though, over the last decade, regardless of what trait you're looking at, have been on the genomic side. Right. They, they don't just take the phenotypic outcome, but they say, OK, this phenotype's good. But how much of that was luck and how much of that was because of this unique genetic package that animal has? Are you finding any of those SNPs or specific, you know, alleles? I don't even know the right terminology, Jay, but are you finding... Uh, components of the genetic package that that seem to be correlated with this uh, thermal tolerance. 
We are actually, and and that is how we're. And I didn't mention it earlier, but that is how we're making our selection. And so, you know, as I mentioned, we had phenotyped all these sows, but we'd also genotyped over sixteen hundred of them, and that's how we're making our selection. It is based on a genomic selection basis. Um, and so right now we're actually undergoing the process of doing some intensive pheno- phenotyping of these two groups of animals that, based on those genomic selection indices, we've indicated are tolerant or sensitive. And although we haven't collected all the data yet, the numerical data does indicate that there are there is a strong separation in both the thermal tolerance level, but also productivity traits, um, things like milk production, right? They're, they're vastly different in these two populations. And so, of course, we don't want to necessarily select the most tolerant animals or the most sensitive animals. We really want those animals right in between. But to pick those animals, we need to know what are the what are the genotypic and phenotypic traits of the animals at each end. And so that's kind of what we're working towards right now. Excellent. You, you mentioned lactation, right? Um, step one, when you're talking about heat stress with sows, is keep them alive. Don't let that heat stress make for a sow mortality. Um, the highest sow mortality levels we have at our farms, Jay, are in the summer, right? And they're not caused by disease. They're caused by environmental factors. So keep her alive. Step two, keep her and her piglets comfortable. You mentioned those cooling pads. Um, I'm sure you guys are measuring lactation feed intake. Do you see a measurable impact in the lactation feed impact with the intake with those cooling pads? Yeah, and, and that's one of the goals of using those pads. So obviously we can we can put the sows on those pads. We can adjust the water flow rate and we can improve thermoregulatory indicators. But really at the end of the day, we're, we're trying to improve those things so we can improve feed intake and improve milk output and improve litter growth rate, right? Um, and so we can, we, we have seen, we have done studies where we've improved proof feed intake, but we've also had studies where we didn't necessarily improve feed intake at all, but we were still able to improve indicators in milk output and litter growth. And so what we're seeing is that even at the same level of nutrition between our heat stress animals and animals that are cooled, even if they're eating the same amount, the cooling pads are actually still resulting in better milk output and better litter growth rate. For example, in that study, we had about a 20% increase in weaning weight in those piglets, even though they were eating, the, even though their mothers were eating the exact same amount as the heat stressed animals, right? And so when we consider that, that's actually a cost savings simply by cooling the animals, feeding them at the same level, and we're getting better outputs in our, on our litter growth. Salmonella presents significant challenges to pig health and performance and poses food safety risks to humans. As the first and only vaccine offering live attenuated strains of both Salmonella cholerasias and Typhimerium, Enterosol Salmonella TC from Beringer Ingelheim protects pigs against both stereotypes with a single oral dose. Talk to your Beringer Ingelheim representative to learn more. Absolutely, Jay. I don't know a single farmer in, in the world right now that wouldn't take performance improvements without adding more feed. The feed's plenty expensive right now, so that's that's even better if we can kind of have our cake and eat it too. Jay, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Um, very interesting and very timely information that you shared with our audience. And to everybody in the audience, thank you for listening to the Swine Health Black Belt podcast. If you haven't checked out our website, please go visit us at swinehealthblackbelt.com. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss out on any of our weekly episodes that get published. Uh, for Dr. Jay Johnson with USDA ARS, my name is Dr. Clayton Johnson. This has been the Swine Health Black Belt podcast. Thanks for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you again next week. Hey, everyone. We're always searching for the latest and greatest research to share each week. 
if you have a swine health related research trial and would like to come on the show to talk about it with me and share it with our audience, feel free to send an email to healthblackbelt at swineit.com. And we would love to take a look at your research.